Well, good morning, everyone. All right. Well, open up your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalm 67. All right, Psalm 67. So obviously, as we come to the, we're at the end of the year, I thought as has been prayed already that we would just kind of think back over our year. And this Psalm, Psalm 67, I think will help us do that. Let's pray though, once again, before we start. Let's pray. Lord God, we again thank you for not only this year and all that you've done and as Mike prayed, Lord, that you've brought us through. And we thank you for that. But we thank you for this day that you've given us to come and to worship you and to proclaim your, proclaim your name and be edified by the preaching of your word. And we ask, Lord God, that you would do that this morning as I teach, that your name would be glorified and the church would be edified as we proclaim your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 67. So when you think back, I want you guys to just think back on this year. So those of us who have bad memories, hopefully we can think back over just the last year. I want you to think back and see how God's blessing has been on your life, whether you believe it or not. I think there's a blessing in that you are alive and breathing this day. But think about what God has done over the past year in your life. Can you see God's hand moving? I'd also ask, can you praise God for the path that He has led you on over this past year as you look back and see all the places that God has moved in your life and carried you? Can you praise Him for that? Can you praise God for using you in the spiritual life of others? As Mike had mentioned, all the ministries that are available, and he talked about how he is blessed when he's serving. That is so true. You really find a blessing when you serve. You think you're blessing the kids, but you're being blessed yourself in so many ways. Can you see the way God has moved in your life over the past year spiritually to help somebody else? And, and maybe as I ask you those questions, you might be thinking, well, not really. I, I really didn't. I don't see it. Or maybe I didn't serve this year or something in that, in that in regards to that. That's okay. Because I'm going to exhort you over this over the next few moments when we go through this psalm, for this next year, the great thing is that we have tomorrow, right? We're blessed with another day. We are blessed to have another year to live for God. We are blessed to have another opportunity to bring honor and glory to God. Every moment that we are awake, every breath that we take, there's another opportunity. We are also blessed with an other, another opportunity to reach the lost people in our lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to see all these things in these areas of our lives covered in the 67th Psalm. So let's look at that. We're going to look at Psalm 67. And there's going to be three exhortations by the psalmist this morning. This won't come up on the screen, but for those of you that like to take notes, these are the three things that we're going to cover The three exhortations this morning are going to be, number one, a call to pray for God's favor. I'll explain all these in a moment. And the second and third one are exactly the same, and it's important, it's a call to praise God, but they're for different reasons. So this morning's psalm is going to exhort us to call to to pray for God's favor and a call to praise God. Okay? 
We're going to look at those three things this morning. And as we read, you'll see that. So let's get to Psalm 67. It says this. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. So there we have a very short psalm, right? Just seven verses. But again, there are three things that I want to point out in this psalm. So let's go back and look at these exhortations and more important, well, and just as important, the reason for these exhortations. So the first exhortation that the psalmist gives, look at verse 1. And I'm going to repeat this. It's God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. So the psalmist is telling the nation of Israel who these psalms were written for, He's telling the nation, it's almost like a, a prayer that we should be praying this, or I'm exhorting you to pray this. Ask for God to be gracious to us. Ask for God to bless us. And ask God to cause His face to shine upon us. So those are three things within this first sentence that the psalmist is exhorting Israel to do. Ask for God's blessing. Ask for God's grace. And ask for His face to shine upon us. Well, for what purpose? Look at verse 2. This is a purpose. That your, that, you, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. So the psalmist is exhorting these things so that God's way, God's truth, the law of God may be known among all the nations, all the people of the world. And the emphasis in chapter 2 is repeated with your salvation among all the nations. So he wants the people to be blessed and ask for God's favor so that God's way may be known throughout the earth. So the psalmist is explaining this to the people. Hey, go ahead and pray for God's graciousness upon you. Pray for God's blessing upon you. Pray that God's face will shine upon you, meaning God's guiding presence. And he does this for a purpose. It's not... They don't pray this, or he's not asking them to pray this so that they may live comfortably and have no worries in life, right? He's saying, hey, don't pray these just so you could spend it upon yourself. And it's not primarily, as I said, to be used upon themselves, nor is it to become an idol in their life. Sometimes people be can become so blessed with material things that that becomes their idol, doesn't it? And it takes them away from God, it keeps them from worshiping God. So he's not praying for that purpose. And he's, again, he's not asking that God blesses them so much that they would again spend it upon themselves and forget about God. Is that not what we've been studying over the past few months as we look at the nation of Israel in, the, in Isaiah? That Israel had been so blessed monetarily. Uh, with land as well, and produce that they forgot God. So much so they began to 
boast in themselves like, look what we have done. Look what we have become. And they forgot about it because God had blessed them so much that they were blinded by their blessings. And I want to show you uh, an example of God's, what would I say, just God calling his people to, hey, stay focused on him and not themselves. Turn to uh, the book of Haggai. He's a, a minor prophet. And if you don't know where he is, go to the last book of the Old Testament and hang a left for a couple books. It's in between the Zephaniah and Zechariah. Just probably one page, depending how the printing in your Bible is. Maybe it's two pages. In Haggai, we're going to look at chapter 1. And I'm actually going to read verses 4 through 9. Verses 4 and 9 might be the only ones that come up. But I want to read the entire context of what's going on. So Haggai here is we have an example of how the people of God have put energy into their physical homes and neglected the temple, right? They spent, spent all their free time and their priority was on themselves and they were neglecting God's house. And so the prophet comes to chastise them for this. And that's what we're going to read in Haggai 1, verse, starting in verse 4. He says, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the, this house, meaning the temple of God, lies desolate? So it's like, hey, they went and they fixed their home because their home was broken down and they left the temple of God broken down. And so he's calling them to task for this. He says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And he says, But you have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So he's saying, you're doing all these things and you're never satisfied. Right? You're, you have enough uh, wine and you're not getting drunk you have enough food but you're still hungry you have enough money but it feels like it's just going through the bag because it has holes in it because you're not satisfied with what god has given you and so he says in verse eight go up to the mountains bring wood and rebuild the temple that i may be pleased with it and be glorified says the lord you look for much but behold it comes to little when you bring it home i blow it away why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying you guys are focusing on this, your own personal lives, and neglecting God. Therefore, this will never be satisfied. Your priorities are wrong. And again, that's what the psalmist is saying here is we can pray for God's blessing, but don't let that become an idol. Don't let that distract you from putting God first. It's not that God doesn't want us to enjoy the things that he gives us. I want to point that out. But we cannot let those enjoyments run our life, occupy our time so much that we forget about the Lord. And again, that's what Israel was doing. Instead, the psalmist is, the psalmist is saying, pray for God's blessing so that you can focus on, on the Lord. You can focus on the Lord's work and not just focus on what you shall eat, what you shall wear, what you shall drink. Did not Jesus say in um, Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33, a very familiar uh, verse about this, about putting God first. He said this, Do not worry, 
saying, What will we eat or what we will drink or what we will wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all things. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What things? All those monetary things that you want. All the supplies that you want. All the food that you want. God's going to take care of that if you focus on him first. Again, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek God first. Don't let those things get in your way of worshiping God. Our primary purpose as believers is what? Is to glorify God with our lives. Turn to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. Just let me show you a couple of verses here that really highlight this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Nope, that's the wrong verse. <laughs> it's verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 says this, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, in you whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. End of verse 20. For you have been bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body. Our bodies are not our own. If we're a believer, Christ has bought you. He's purchased you with his offering and sacrifice on the cross, and you gave your life to him. Therefore, he says, your body is no longer your own. It's the Lord's, and we're to glorify God with our bodies. Turn over to chapter 10. One more verse. 1 Corinthians 10, look at verse 31. The Apostle Paul says, Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So as you're praying for these blessings and God's favor, he's saying when you pray for those things, do it in such a way so that you can glorify God with whatever he gives you. Not so that you can forget about God. Again, sometimes we can get so blessed by God that we forget that we need the Lord. I remember uh, talking to a friend just this week about um, he had lost his mother um, and he had lost his, his stepfather moved away. And he felt all alone at Christmas time. And he was saying, yeah, and he also, he's divorced, so he's, he's um, alone at Christmas time. And he's talking about, why, did, why would God do this? Leave me all alone. And he's, by the way, I mean, he recently just came back to the Lord and started going to church and getting involved. And he's asking all this. And I'm, and I'm telling him, I'm saying, I'm not saying this is why God did this. But sometimes God can put us in a place where all we can do is look up to God. He took all these things away so that we focus on him. And again, I'm not saying God did that to him. But I told him, when you had all those things. When you had your wife, when your mom was alive, and your stepdad was living, you weren't going to church. You were blessed with so much, and you forgot about God. Now that they're all gone, and you're going to church, you're sitting there, and you're saying, why me now? And all that to say is sometimes we can be so blessed, we forget about all that we have, or we, we get so blessed that we forget about God. And I think this is what the psalmist is calling the nation of Israel, saying, hey, Pray for God's blessing, pray for God's favor, 
so that you can glorify God, not so that you can spend it upon yourselves. Again, our primary purpose as believers is to glorify God with everything that we have, with our body, with with things that we do, what we eat, what we drink. That's something to think about when you're entertaining yourselves and whatever you're doing. Is this glorifying to God? Does this bring honor to God? Would I be doing this if the Lord was with me? Something to think about. Going back to our text now. Let's look at the second exhortation in Psalm 67. And it's verse 3, starting in verse 3. He says, Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the people with uprighteousness and guide the nations on the earth. So the second exhortation from the psalmist is that, hey, people, the people of God should praise you and they should be glad and they should sing for joy. And we did that this morning, right? We're praising God and we're glad and we're singing for joy. But in this exhortation, he tells them why they're doing that. Look at verse 4. The second sentence of verse 4 says, For, or you could say because, you will judge the peoples with uprighteousness and guide the nations on the earth. <clears throat> so the reason for this praise, the reasons for this singing, is that because God judges his people with uprightness, for God guides the nations on the earth. So this call to praise is, primary in, is primarily in recognition of God's character and God's wisdom. That's why he's telling you to praise him. Right here, the psalmist is saying the people of God should praise God for his uprightness, meaning the way that he governs and rules his people, right? For God is a righteous ruler. We sing about this often. He is a just ruler in all that he does. And the psalmist is declaring his confidence in these truths and he's praising God for it. Here the psalmist is saying to the people that the people of God should praise God for the way that he leads them as well. Not only that God is just, but also that the way God leads us. For God is the good shepherd, isn't he? He leads us along in our life. As I asked us to look back over your life of this past year and look how God has been leading you. Can you see God's hand in your life? I think of the, the 23rd Psalm as one of the best expressions of how God leads his people. And uh, I'm going to read this verse, or this chapter, Psalm 23. It's just six short verses. But it's very familiar to us. I'm sure once you hear it, you're like, yeah, I know that. It says this, For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So it's describing how God leads his people. He makes me lie down the green pastures. He leads me besides the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think that's a perfect picture of praising God for how he governs, how he leads us. 
And that's true for each and every one of us who are His. God leads us that way. And even though you might not see it, that's what's happening in our lives. We recently studied over this past month the wonderful counsel of God, how God counsels us and how God leads us. I think of what, uh, when, when Jesus asked his disciples in John 6, verses 66 through 69. I don't know if you remember that verse. But Jesus had just given a tough teaching. And it said that many of his di- disciples had left him at that time. And so Jesus looks back at the 12 disciples and says, Will you guys leave as well? And I like what the Apostle Peter said. And that starts in verse 66. And as a result, excuse me, go down to verse 67. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. He realized that it was only Jesus who had all the words to eternal life. You're the one that guides us correctly. Where are we going to go? Where else will we turn? God alone is the perfect judge and the perfect guide. And again, that's why the psalmist is saying this in Psalm 67. He's like, praise God for the way that he rules and the way that he leads us. Again, God is our good shepherd. Let's move on to the last exhortation in verse 5. It says this, Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. So the third exhortation is similar to the second one, but for a different reason. He's again saying, praise God. Let everyone praise God. Why? Well, verse 6 and 7 tells us that the earth has yielded its produce. It's an example of God's blessing on his people. And as a result of this blessing, the end of verse 7 tells us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. So it's a picture of God blessing his people and other people that aren't God's people see that and want to be part of that. That's what's going on there. Now we have to remember something that when this was written, Psalm 67, um, We're talking about an agrarian culture. So God's favor was displayed to his people by fruitful crops, an abundance of cattle, the abundance of children, and longevity of life. So throughout the Old Testament, those things follow God's people as God's blessing. So that when somebody didn't have that, you know, their crops weren't growing, maybe their cattle was, you know, dying, They didn't have any children. They died young. They looked at that as God's favor not being upon them. And so that was, again, we have to remember that was for that culture at that time. Now, we need to be careful not to make this a black and white dogmatic statement. By that, I mean is we can't solely say the only way that we can see God's favor in our lives is if, you know, I have a a great job. Unless you live on a farm, then you have abundance produce, right? I have, a, I have a great job. I have, you know, five or six kids. And what else should we have? Just an abundance of things, right? That would say that God's favor is on us. 
Unfortunately, there are churches that teach that, right? If God's favor is on you, then you're going to have a great job. You're going to have a lot of money. You're going to have great health. But that's not true. We can't make a black and white statement out of the things that are said here. God's favor isn't displayed by the abundance of things. Just to give you a few examples, think of Jesus himself. There was no greater favor on any person than on the Son of God. He wasn't married. He didn't have kids. He didn't own anything. He didn't have a place to lay his head. And he died young, you know, in his 30s. Having a black and white statement like that can do severe damage on people's faith, saying you don't have enough faith to get healed. You don't have enough faith to get that job. And that's not true. This is exactly what Job's friends did to him in the book of Job. Well, Job, you must have sin in your life. That's why God's cursing you. That's why God took away your children. Or you must have done something. You have secret sin that you haven't confessed. Again, that's not true. Again, we could point to many examples in Scripture that counteract that theology. You could think of Job and Jesus and the Apostle Paul and any of the 11 apostles who also lived and eventually died as martyrs, but maybe one of them didn't. So I think the safest way to apply this psalm and the Proverbs, when you read the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, is to say these are general rules for godly living. They're not black and white statements. They're not black and white statements. So, so what's the application for us then in regards to this third exhortation? Well, I think in regards to application, I feel more confident in saying this. We who are blessed by the fruit of our labors and the grace of God. So if you're blessed by the fruit of your labor, the things that you do, and by the grace of God, what should we do with that? Because the psalmist here is telling uh, in this third exhortation that you should praise God for what you have, but you should also do something. He says that the ends of the earth may fear him. So your blessing should be a witness to the rest of the world. And so I feel confident in saying that we who are blessed by the fruit of our labors and the grace of God should first praise God for that blessing that you have. That was the first exhortation. Um, we should praise God for that. Then we who are blessed are called to do what with our blessing? Well, let's turn to, let's look at one verse in particular. First uh, Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. Now we're going to look at verses 17 through 18. I think this would be a good application for this verse in Psalm, or the point that I'm trying to make. So verse uh, 17. Paul writes to Timothy, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. So again, this goes with the psalm. Hey, just because you're blessed and you have an abundance in your life, don't get conceited. Don't put your hope in that, right? It, because they're uncertain. They can be taken at any moment. But on God. So put your, fix your hope and all that you have on God, who supplies, who richly supplies us with all those things to enjoy, Okay, so you have all these things to enjoy, and look what he tells them to do in verse 18. Instruct them to do good, to, do, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. 
So what he's saying is he, is he wants you to use all that God blesses you with to glorify God and to draw other people in the kingdom by doing good. That's exactly what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.12. Let me share this one verse with you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. He says this, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, because you're doing good things, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of salvation. So the application for us is that, hey, the things that God is blessing you with in your life, whatever you're rich in, you should use that to draw people to God so that people may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So again, I think these three exhortations from the psalmist for us can be related to us in this way. And, and I think we can commit ourselves, and I'm asking you since it's the end of the year, and the new year's coming, right? You're probably going to make some resolutions. I want to uh, burden you with these five more um, resolutions. But this first one's a good one. This first, I promise. It's a good one. Let us pray for God's grace and blessing and favor to shy upon us. Right? So many times we might be kind of too shy. Like, I don't want to pray for God to bless me. I don't want to pray for God to, you know, to give me abundance of things. And I'm saying there's nothing wrong with that if you're praying for them with the right motive. Isn't that what James says? He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So when you're at, think of this, when you're praying and asking God for things, whatever it is, it's a new job, uh, a new home, uh, you know, a spouse that you're looking for in the future. Why are you praying for those things? Are you praying for those things so that you may spend it on your own pleasures or that you may glorify God with all those things? Because we should, as believers, glorify God in our jobs, with our spouses, in our homes, and all the things that God gives us. So I'm saying pray for God's grace upon you, pray for God's blessing, and pray for God's favor to shine upon you so that you can glorify God with all that He gives you. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, that's what we're called to do. Remember, I read some verses earlier that we're to glorify God in all things, whatever we eat and we drink, and whatever we say or do in all those things, we're to glorify God. So go ahead this year, pray for God's grace. Pray for abundance, but pray so that you can use that, whatever God gives you, to glorify God. That's how we're supposed to, that's how we're supposed to use God's blessings. So again, let us pray. So number one, let us pray for God's grace and blessings and favors to shine upon us. Number two, let us use the blessings of God to glorify Him. So again, all those things that God gives you this year, use it to glorify God. Think of ways. How can I glorify God with my new job, with my new home, for some with our new children? How can we glorify God with that? My new church, whatever, whatever God gives you in your life. How can I glorify God with that or in that? That should be our prayer. Thirdly, let us praise God for the way he governs our lives. Right? We, how can we do that? Well, think of this. Who is our God? He is a just God, and he is righteous in all his ways, and we should praise him for that. And again, even though you may not understand all that God is doing in your life, we know this, that God is righteous and God is just. And all that he does, so the way that he is moving you in your life, 
is to a good result, a perfect end, his end. So let's praise God for the way that he governs us in our lives. Fourthly, let us praise God for the way that he guides us, right? God's not going to lead you, if you're his child, down the wrong direction. How many of us as parents would lead our children the wrong way on purpose? Hopefully none of us, right? Hopefully not. God doesn't do it on purpose, nor does he do it by accident. We as, as, as fallen people might do it by accident, but God doesn't. God knows what he's doing. God sees ahead of you, and he's taking care of you. So praise God for the way that he guides you. Remember the promise in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is a promise to each and every one of you this morning who is God's child, who put your faith in God, that he's going to work all things together for good, for good to those who love him. That's a great promise to cling to. So again, let us pray for God's grace and blessing and favor to shine upon us. Let us, let us use the blessings that God gives us to glorify him. Let us praise God for the way he governs our lives. And let us praise God for the way that he guides us. And lastly, let us commit this year to use God's blessing in our lives to draw people to him. Again, we have, been, we have been given so much in our lives in regards to the talents and the treasures. Let's commit those things this year to use them to draw people to our Lord and Savior. You know, Mike uh, did the announcements and talked about, hey, there's some opportunities to serve. Well, there you go. There's an opportunity to use your talents, your time, to draw people to the Lord. And you might be thinking, well, how can I... Uh, by being an usher and you know handing a bag out or what you know, help people come closer to the Lord. Well, let me tell you this: you don't know what how, what effect you're going to have on people. Let me just tell you this: some of the people that are doing the um, ushering ministry are also being are also in another ministry, and maybe that might open up an opportunity for them to leave the ushering ministry and to go in something else and be dedicated to something else. Uh, for example, like in teaching the kids. And that's a way that God can use you to draw people to Christ by giving another, another person a break and an opportunity. And you don't know what God's going to do with you as an usher as well. Again, speaking of a friend, uh, I was talking to a friend this week and about a ministry that he's involved in. He goes to a very large church where they, um, they need to get a shuttle and shuttle people in to church, right? We'll, maybe we'll have that here for those of you that park across the street. <clears throat> But I said, hey, that's a great ministry for you because think of how you can start interacting with people as you see them on every Sunday. Or, you know, you have a pretty long drive to get them to the sanctuary. You can pray for them. You can learn about them, learn about their needs and what's going on. And just be a friendly face to new people as well. You never know how getting involved and doing something is going to draw people to the Lord. The point being is that you need to use those blessings that God has given you, the time, your talents, your treasures, and use it for the glory of God, not just upon yourself. God has given you those things to draw people to himself. So let's commit to those five things. Again, those are the, I hope you would adopt those resolutions, so to speak, this year. And just let me repeat them all again. Let us pray for God's grace and blessing and favor to shine upon us. Let us use the blessing of God to glorify him. 
Let us praise God for the way he governs our lives. Let us praise God for the way he guides us. And let us commit to use God's blessing in our lives to draw people to him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much once again for your word. We thank you how relevant your word is and how it speaks to each and every one of our lives. And Lord God, I pray this morning that those five resolutions or exhortations that were given at the end, that we would adopt those in our own lives. Lord, that we would see the value of those things, not only for our own lives, but to bring honor and glory to you. So Lord God, I pray this morning for this church. I pray that your blessing would be upon them, that you would bless them abundantly, Lord, financially and spiritually that your favor would shine upon them, Lord God, that you would restore each and every one of them to perfect health. And I pray this, Lord God, not so that we might spend these things upon ourselves, but that we might be able-bodied and financially resourced to extend your kingdom for your glory, that we wouldn't use it upon ourselves, that we would use it to further the ministry that's done here in our church, that we would use it to to reach people in our lives, our neighbors, our friends, and our families. As you bless each and every member at this church, I pray that you would put it on their hearts to reach out to those who do not yet know you and that they would bring them into a a closer understanding and knowledge of who you are. And so I pray that, Lord God, I pray that we would remember to always praise you for how you govern and, and guide us and lead us in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would commit this year to to live out our lives, the blessings that you give us, to draw people to yourself. Help us to do that individually and as a church in this new home, in this new start that you've given us. May we reach out to those people around here who do not yet know you. And may we use all of our resources to glorify your name. And we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And it's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.